my brothers and sisters in the Lord. In one of my previous assignments at one of the elementary schools that I was at, they had family day in which parents and grandparents all came to the school. And as you can imagine, it was a pretty hectic experience with children and parents and grandparents throughout the school hallways. And each of the children, especially in the lower grades, each received a bright green balloon filled with helium, which they tied on their wrists. And so you had all these little ones running up and down the hallway with balloons tied on their hands. And I remember this little girl, her name was Mary, and she was running down the hallway to see her daddy. And as she was running down the hallway, pulling that balloon along with her, unfortunately it got caught on one of the metal cubbies in the hallway. And as you can imagine, that bright, helium-filled, green balloon popped. And there it laid on the ground, a wet piece of forlorn rubber. And you could see the tears beginning to well up in her face. But then all of a sudden, she stooped down and she picked up that wet piece of rubber and she ran back to her daddy and she gave that rubber to her daddy and said to him, Daddy, fix it for me. It was a quite moving experience. But I tell you that story, my brothers and sisters, because many times in our life, we feel like we're that wet piece of rubber lying on the schoolhouse floor. Because of our trials or tribulations or whatever the difficulties it is, it seems that our world is just popped. And there we are, forlorn, just kind of laying there. And we say to God, God, Daddy, Abba, fix it. And you see, my friends, that's the basis of the gospel today. This wonderful story about Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus dies, and Jesus is their good friend, and Martha and Mary send word to Jesus, even before his death, that he is ill. But Jesus doesn't come right away. But certainly Martha and Mary knew that Jesus had the power to heal, because medical science at that time could not cure their brother Lazarus. And when Jesus finally arrives, of course, as we heard, Lazarus has already died. And there is Martha. Martha, the woman of action. And she gets kind of huffed up and says to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, this would have not happened. Where were you? And then as the gospel unfolds, Jesus goes to the tomb and he orders the stone to be rolled back. And what does Martha say again? Lord, do you know he's been dead for four days? It's going to be a stench in there. I mean, there was no Febreze during that time. You can't get dead men's stench out of your clothes. But they did what Jesus commanded. And then we hear the Lord's words. 
Lazarus, come out. And he does. And as he does, Jesus commands them, untie him and let him go. My brothers and sisters, this is a story of hope, a story of new life, a story of love, a story of conquering even in the midst of the trials of our life, a story of true freedom. It's a story, my brothers and sisters, that when life seems like we're that pop balloon, God always offers hope, even in the midst of the uncertainty of our circumstances. And I think there's three ingredients in this beautiful story of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus that we can use and remember in our own life when we feel like our balloon has popped and we're lying lifeless on the floor. I think the first thing that we need to remember and the first ingredient we find in the story is this, my friends. During times of trial, God always strengthens us by his presence. God is always present, and he was present to Martha and Mary. Now, understand this. God was not on Martha and Mary's timeline. He didn't show up exactly when they would have wanted him to show up. But he did arrive. And that's important for each and every one of us to remember, that God is always present. It may not be on our timeline. You know the old saying, God is never early, God is never late, but God is always on time. Do we believe that? There's a wonderful spiritual that they used to sing when I was stationed for my internship at St. Peter Claver in the city. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it goes something like this. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God, yes he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. And then it goes into the verses. You can ask the children of Israel trapped at the Red Sea by the mean old Pharaoh and his army. They had water all around them and Pharaoh on their track. From out of nowhere, God stepped in and cut a highway just like that. Now let me tell you, he's an on-time God. You see, my friends, the Lord is always present, and he's always on time. And that is what increases our hope when the troubles and trials of life begin to weigh on us, that the Lord is on time. I think the second thing that we notice from this particular gospel passage is this. Not only does God strengthen us by his presence, God also strengthens us by his power. That God does have power. He had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he has power in your life and in mine if only we would allow him to exercise that power. A father was telling a story from the Bible to his young children. And it was one of the stories of where God intervened to save the people of Israel from the Old Testament. And one of the children asked their father, how big is God? And the father responded, he's always a little bigger than what you need. 
God is always a little bigger than whatever our problem is, or our trial is, or our tribulation. But do we believe that? There was a seminary professor who taught homiletics years ago. And he was a very old man in his about 80s, 81, 82, and the seminary would invite the priest back in order to celebrate Mass and preach. And this priest who taught homiletics to all these young men who had been priests for many years would go and listen to see how well they preached. And he would often tell the young men, I only listen to you preach once. That's it. You get one shot. And when I listen to you preach, I determine whether you're a little godder or a big god. And I remember one person asking him, well, Father, what is a little godder or a big god? He said, well, it's very simple. Some priests come back, and when they preach, you don't think God has any power. That God is not even present. It just sounds like whitewash mush. That's a little godder. Because their God is little. But then there are those who preach with passion. Who believes that Jesus works miracles. That Jesus intervenes in life. They're big godders. Because their God is big. It's a good question for all of us, my friends. Do we have a big God or a little God? Do we really believe that God can intervene in our life? It may not be in our timing or on our timetable. But that he does. And that he is always present. And certainly, how does he continue to be present? Through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the paraclete. Do you know where the word paraclete comes from? Paraclete is a Greek word, and it's taken from the law courts of the time. The paraclete was the person that, if you were accused of a crime, after all the evidence was presented, and the judge was about to render the verdict, there was an individual who was called the paraclete. And he was an individual who was an, of upright character. And the paraclete would come and stand right next to the accused. And the paraclete's only job was to offer moral support and to be present as the verdict was read. You see, my brothers and sisters, that's what God does. He is always present. And he's always supporting us by his power in our lives. We're strengthened by God's presence, we're strengthened by God's power, and we're also strengthened, my friends, because God has an eternal plan. He has an eternal purpose. What does St. Paul write to the church in Rome? Chapter 8. We know that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose. And what is that purpose, my brothers and sisters? That purpose is that nothing, absolutely nothing, will separate us from him and his love for his people. St. Paul goes on. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? None. In all of these things we conquer overwhelmingly through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God has an eternal purpose. 
And we are called, my brothers and sisters, to truly believe that. Just like Jesus asked Martha and Mary to believe that he had the power to raise Lazarus, to turn death into life. You see, my friends, as we continue our Lent journey, what about us? Do we believe in God's presence and God's power and God's purpose in our own lives? Does it build up our faith so we can experience new life? There was a little article in Catholic Digest. A woman had written in and said that in their parish they had a pastor for like 35 years. And at the end of this 35 years, the pastor retired and he passed away very shortly after, only a few months. And so the woman had a young grandson, probably like six or seven. And he was very close to this older gentleman who was the pastor, because it was the only priest that he really ever knew. It was a little parish out in the country, and so the next neighboring parish was 50 or 60 miles away. And so it was announced one day when he was sitting in mass that the bishop was going to send a new priest and it was going to be a priest that came right out of the seminary. And the little boy went home and he told his grandmother, I'm not ever going back to church again. And the grandmother said, well, why not? He said, well, when the bishop decides that he has to get a priest from the cemetery, I'm not going. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, hopefully we're not getting priests from the cemetery. But more importantly, my friends, in our own life, do we believe that in those cemetery experiences, those experiences in which we feel like we are the pop balloon, the wet rubber lying right there on the floor, do we believe that God can bring life and renewal and freedom and forgiveness and mercy and strength? May God grant us the grace this day, my friend to go forth renewed and rejuvenated, knowing that nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible for our God.